Hey, what's up, Stay Tuners? It's your good friend Jimbo here, letting you know that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and let them know that you heard it from Stay Tuned Sports and you start earning today. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here, back again, like every week. Talking all kinds of uh, sports news and firings. Yep, Doug Peterson, gone. Howie Roseman, still there. Don't know how. I mean, we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Um, Head over to staytunesports.net for our social media accounts, which is on the right-hand side there. As well as all past episodes, all the way back to episode one with Mean King and the episodes with Shoulders, O'Brien. Um, if you ever get bored or you're in quarantine or whatnot. But uh, also up top is the merch tab, and we have just added a new t shirt with the 2021 Stay Tuned Sports logo, the new updated logo. Um, our good buddy King actually made two extra logos so i'm gonna make kind of you know kind of going with the nhl retro alternate jerseys well we're gonna kind of go with a 2021 alternate logo so i'm gonna be working on them this weekend to uh add them to the store as well and um eventually you're gonna get some hoodies put on there and some hats but so i'll get some some t-shirts on there for you guys so and not too expensive i think the one i just made uh last night is like 15 bucks or so so um yeah, last night was the Alabama-Ohio State National Championship game, if you want to call it a game. Um, you know, for I just want to touch on this just a little bit because, I mean, again, there were, we all knew Alabama was going to win. We all knew they were going to blow out Ohio State, except for the Ohio State fans, and kudos for them for believing in that, you know, that that wasn't going to happen. But truth be told, uh... Alabama made them their bitch, just like uh, Cleveland Browns made the Steelers their bitch in the first half. That game was insane. But um, I just want to touch on on the Ohio State game because you know going into the playoffs, a lot of people thought Texas A&M should have been in there over Notre Dame with Ohio State number three, Clemson, Bama one two. Now, I understand, you know, um, hindsight, you know, 2020, all whatever that, that phrase is, that saying that, you know, it's easy just to look back now. But a lot of people said Notre Dame shouldn't be in there. It had no place to be in there. Then when they played Alabama, yes, we did get blown out. We did get bashed all over the place, 31-14. But, and I've been being this drum for months 
since the beginning of the season that Ohio State should not be eligible to play in the, the playoffs. And I think this game showed it. I mean, they only played five games. Didn't really play anybody. Had a hard time with Northwestern in their conference game. Yes, they beat Clemson, but Notre Dame beat Clemson too. I don't want to hear about the whole Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. Or we were missing defensive players. That should fall on Dabo Sweeney then to not have next man up mentality type thing going through his team. So you look at last night, uh, last night's game with Alabama beating um, Ohio State 52-24. So not only did Notre Dame hold Alabama to less points, but also didn't lose as bad as Ohio State. And the other thing too is Heisman winner Devontae, um, Devontae Smith Yes, he, he had a big game against us. You know, seven catches, 130 yards, three touchdowns. You know, it's a it's a it's a game not to forget. But look at last night. He had 12 catches for 200 plus yards in the first half. And it probably would have been more if he didn't have that, that hand injury in the second half. So if anything, and I've been saying this too, that Ohio State should not have been in there. It should have been Texas AM or even Cincinnati. At four, Notre Dame at three, Clemson two, Bama one. And I I think if behind the scenes with the voters, they were worried about money, the money game would have been Clemson versus Notre Dame, the trilogy. Put that at eight o'clock at night and you would have made tons of money. A lot of viewership. But it is what it is, you know, I'm proud of Notre Dame. Talked a little bit about it last week with Brian about Brian Kelly, what we should do, and on to next year. This past weekend kicked off the wild card games for the NFL. And the Bears and Saints game was being aired on Nickelodeon. Now I believe, I believe, not totally sure. The Super Bowl is also going, going to be aired on Nickelodeon, um, as well as uh, NBC. I forget what channel actually has it this year. Um, so I, I want to to see how it is because the whole thinking going into it was for the NFL was to relate more to the kids than the adults by putting it on Nickelodeon. Now, granted, I only lasted a, a, a one quarter because of the commentators but I understood you know they had Nate Burleson as a color commentator there as well as some of the, the Nick um, you know Nickelodeon actors being quote sideline reporters some of the, the phrases Nate Burleson you know you could tell they were really aiming to, to towards the, the kids like uh I think the the one uh, part I caught was um, I forget which team got first down, and the chain gain was moving, and uh, made the statement. Now you see those 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 orange poles. That is someone actually moving those those poles. That is actually their job to make sure of of how far they have to go to get a first down, or uh, he was comparing some of them to like quizzes and tests, like. 
you know, when you get into the red zone, that's like your quiz. And when you get into the end zone, that's like you acing that quiz. You know, like, so there was some interesting phrasing going on there. And then I was curious to see if there's going to be any type of slime and stuff like that. And even though I was not interested in it, I thought it was kind of cool that every time a touchdown would happen, the, the orange pylons would shoot off orange uh, ooze, green ooze, you know, graphics, not actual ooze. But I could see where the NFL was going with it. And, you know, possibly, if I had kids that were like four or five years old, I would, I would probably sit down with them and I think they would be interested to watch it. But since my kids are older, there's no way I could last a whole game. I, like I said, I had to turn it off about a quarter into it and had to go back to regular commentators um, and listen to it that way. Now, I don't think this could be an every week thing. I think, you know, once every four weeks or if you want to do one playoff game a year, that'd be fine. But I think it, it will get really bad and annoying if you start putting games on Nickelodeon. I know they won't ever go away from NBC and Fox and all of them because that's where their money is, but... Don't oversaturate it. You, we know what you're trying to do, and it's cool to try to get the, the younger viewers involved. Just stick to minimal amount of games, and I think you guys will be uh, be just fine getting younger guys and gals into watching the games. This past weekend, um, got to sit down and watch the Baltimore Ravens with my oldest, who's a, a Ravens fan. Looking to win their first playoff game with Lamar Jackson, at quarterback. They didn't win last year. And they pulled it off. They pulled off the, the win against Tennessee Titans. And there was a little bit of um, a little bit of an uproar of how the game ended as far as Marcus Peters intercepting the ball to pretty much close out the game, but ran out to the Tennessee Titans logo with about 12, 13 other players, defensive players, who stomped on the logo and, you know, did all that stuff. And a lot of people thought that was disrespectful. Well, my thing is, why wasn't anything said when Tennessee did to Baltimore earlier in the year? I don't think it was disrespectful. Um, if Tennessee didn't do it earlier in the year, earlier in the year then okay, maybe. You know, but still, no harm, no foul to me. You know, I really did think there was going to be a big brawl because this may have been just the way the Titans players were coming out to play defense, but it looked like they were all coming out to the logo to get them off the logo. But I, I really didn't think it was disrespectful. Now, what I did think was disrespectful was Lamar Jackson, after the game got done didn't shake any of the Tennessee uh, players hands and was even caught waving the Ravens players to not shake their hands and come on get off the field you, here's the problem and I have with it totally understand your rivals from quarter one to quarter four but after that fourth quarter ends or overtime 
you're back to being friends or colleagues if you want to call it that because you know when time comes and you guys gotta talk about your CBA contract stuff you guys gotta stand united if you want more money or, or more of the TV deals stuff like that leave the rivalry shit go on between first quarter and fourth quarter after the game's over shake hands congratulate each other that's why I can't understand with Tom Brady he, he will shake everybody else's hand but not Nick Foles Faced him twice this past year. Did not shake his hands. Or I'm sorry, no, he, he, he played him this year. Didn't shake his hands. Didn't shake his hand in the Super Bowl when he when he lost. You know, that to me is just a sore loser. You're you're taught at Pee-wee football or or T ball or whatever camp, you know, when you're a kid has basketball. Game's over, you shake the other team's hand. You congratulate them. Good guy. Good game. This whole... Oh, they, they disrespected us. That's why you, you, you beat the shit out of them between first quarter and the fourth quarter. Game's over. Shake hands. Bury the hatchet. Till next year. Then start all over again. I mean, you know, obviously rivalries make the best games. And I'm sure this is a new rivalry between Tennessee and Baltimore. But don't 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 try to say, oh, I'm being the bigger man. You know, shake the shake the team's hands. Came out Sunday that Jeffrey Laurie and Doug Pearson was gonna have another meeting on Monday. To discuss his future and it was on shaky grounds needless to say doug pearson got fired i've been saying that f- since the last game of the season when it started to come out that uh some players did not know about the whole uh hertz was going to get benched at some point so sud felt could get snaps it just sounded like he lost the locker room and i, th- I think that's where the, the the hammer came down. I think that was the last nail in the coffin for him. Now, obviously, rumors are coming out saying, you know, Peterson got fired because he got tired of being told what to do and who to, to, to hire and who to give promotions to. But yet, somehow, somehow, Howie Roseman still has a job. And I, I, I just don't know how. I mean, he must have some blackmail type shit on Jeffrey Laurie because this will be his third head coach he's going to hire since he's been GM his drafting sucks even though the, the, the rumors are coming out that Howie Roseman only took Rager because Peterson wanted him and Peterson's staff but Howie and the scouting team wanted Jefferson Oh, you say that now because Jefferson broke the rookie record. Okay. Well, what was the reasoning for J.J. Targay-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf? You're saying, was that Peterson too? It's a shame that they're, they're pretty much using Peterson as the scapegoat for last season. I mean, here's a guy 
brought a Super Bowl, not not 10 years ago, just three years ago, first one in our franchise history, has made the playoffs every year except for his first year and last year, has a, a winning record, I forget exactly what it is, but he's like five or six games over 500. He passed two years, had to use a broken team, and when I say broken, I mean the injuries just murdered our starters. This year through 16 games, he had used 13 different offensive line combination. So that front office set him up for failure. Now, was it the right move? Unfortunately, I would have to say yes, just because I said some of the players, like Miles Sanders, came out and said he did not know about Sudfeld getting some playing time. But Jason Kelsey coming out and saying the whole team knew. It's almost like the the, the, the vets, the vets, the older vets, had Peterson's back. The younger guys may have wanted a fresh look to the coaching staff. Maybe, you know, some of them were lying just to get that, um, just to get him out of there. But I, I think if uh, Peterson didn't bench Hurts, I don't think we would be talking about him being fired. I think it would be the other way around. I think Howie Roseman would be the one out. And with Peterson being gone now, and I think this is something else that probably weighed on Jeffrey Lurie's mind is, it's easier to get rid of Peterson than it is to get rid of Carson's contract. Which, again, is funny because Peterson didn't give that contract. Howie did. <clears throat> and with Peterson being gone now, you know, two days, Howie's still having a job. He's going to be around this year. He's going to be drafting. And I'll tell you what, if Devontae Smith is there and he doesn't take him, that city will burn. That city will burn, and probably any other cities that have Philadelphia fans in them will burn. If he does not take Devontae Smith, you don't have to be smart to see what this kid could do. If Howie does not take him, he needs to be fired on the spot. Now, like, uh, also, the other thing about this, too, is like, you know, who wants this job now? You know, whatever candidate, whatever um, coach comes in, you're going to have, Grant, some of the vets' contracts are up at the new year, so a lot of them are going to be gone, but you're projected to be $70 million over the cap. Okay, you got the sixth overall draft pick, fine. You got a co- uh, quarterback controversy right now. So you gotta get, gotta get rid of one of them. And I hate to say it, they need to get rid of the statue. They put that up way too early. Yes, I mean Philly Special will forever be the 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 famous play in Philadelphia history, sports history. But when they put that up, even Carson Wentz comes back, he's still gonna have to walk past that statue, seeing. the shadow that he has to step out from at some point. Now, Jalen Hurts, you know, we, we, we wasted a second round draft pick on him. Can we get a second round draft pick for him? I think we still could. 
but how he played the last two games, I think, hurt our chances of getting a first-round draft pick. And, I mean, really, I don't know what team would trade for him because you, you figure Jaguars are, are taking Trevor Lawrence. Um, Jets are going to take probably Justin Fields from Ohio State. And I'm, I'm not really sure what the draft order is just yet. Um, and when, probably when the draft gets closer, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But y- y- you have to trade one. You can't have both of them in, in the same room because you're going to feel that awkwardness. No tension because you, you, you heard from both of them say both have helped each other out when the other one was on the bench. If you're going to go with Wentz, he has to have some type of input when it comes to a coach. If he's your franchise quarterback and you're going to stick with it, you got to get somebody that he's comfortable with, that he's okay with, and make sure the coach is okay and comfortable with him. Now, I saw three candidates, well, two candidates. The one was Lincoln uh, Riley. And that's just not happening. I mean, and I really hope Philly learned their lesson with Chip Kelly. When was the last time a college coach came to the NFL and was successful for the long haul? Very rare. Very rare. And he's going to be asking for a lot of money, too. And I just don't think it's it's the right fit for him. Plus, Howie Hostman's making all the calls. So... Yeah, you could say, hey, I want you know, you to trade for Julio Jones. At the end of the day, Howie has the, the, the say-so to say yes or no. The two candidates that um, I saw uh, Tim McManus talk about on ESPN is from Andy Reid's coaching tree, since Andy Reid and Jeffrey Lord are still very close, talk a lot, and that's Eric Bieniemy, their offense coordinator, and uh, Mike Kafka, their uh quarterbacks coach I wouldn't mind seeing Eric Bieniemy. I mean he was up for a head a head coaching jobs past two years I believe and he's going to be a head coach this year there's no way teams pass up on him a third straight time to see what he does with that offense the past couple years it'd be very interesting to see what he does what he could do with our team Mike Kafka. Uh, my problem with it is he's a quarterbacks coach. You know, I, I think we need somebody that has experience at almost the highest position, other than a, you know a head coach. And I've been beating this drum for about two years now. I want to see Deuce Staley. I think Deuce Staley deserves a shot at being a head coach. And I'm surprised and kind of made me smile a little bit seeing players actually come out on Twitter and saying he should be head coach. Malcolm Jenkins was nonstop yesterday posting about it, saying he could control a locker room. He's very well spoken. And a good point is, um, I think I heard up from Sal Palantonio, he's coached in three different styles of systems. Coach underneath Andy Reid, coach underneath Chip Kelly, and coach underneath Doug Peterson. 
So just imagine if you could take a little bit from each of those um, systems, what he could do. And I think, and I think, being that he's a running backs coach, he could bring that balance back. He he understands you need balance. I mean, we saw with the Steelers game on Sunday, Big Ben threw, threw for 65 times and lost. Whenever Carson Wentz throws for more than 35 times a game, most likely they're going to lose. You need balance. It's the one constant in this in, in this league is you need balance. Running game is a quarterback's best friend. Running game is a defense's best friend because it allows them a break. And I, I really think Deuce Daly could do that. And I think Carson would be comfortable with Deuce. Deuce understands Carson. And I, I just think it would be a very good fit. Hopefully he would get the job and like I said though he he already understands what he'd be walking into if he were to accept a job compared to Eric Bieniemy or any other coaching uh, candidates so hopefully I'm really hoping the next couple weeks we hear Deuce Daly's name get called to be the Philadelphia Eagles head coach so Last week, you know, I, I did a special blue picks for the playoffs. Didn't do too well. Went one and three. Um, Going to give it another shot this week. This may be the last week for it since next week will be championship games. So here is this week's blue picks. And here is your blue picks of the week, brought to you by Skunk Duck Studios, the best ducking designs on the web. That's right. So for the last time, blue picks are our blowout picks, lock picks, and upset picks. Playoffs a little bit different with the upset picks and it's all the top tier teams. Kicking it off for the, the blowout this, this week, um, I got the Chiefs over the Browns. Chiefs are favored by 10. If the Browns would have kept going how they were going in the first half against the Steelers, I may have thought differently about this. Made this my upset pick. But you go up by 28 in the first half against the Steelers. Yes, very bad interceptions were thrown by Big Ben. But you got outscored 27-13 in the second half by that same team. You cannot be doing that against the Chiefs, especially Patrick Mahomes. This, This could be... This could get out of hand very quickly. And I would say if, if the Chiefs go up by 28 in the first quarter, the Browns are just going to collapse and give in. So I got the, the Chiefs over the Browns for my blowout. My lock pick, I have Green Bay favorite by 6.5 over the Rams. You guys know how I feel about the Rams. I don't think they're as good as everybody sometimes makes them out to be. But also, the potential of not having Aaron Darnold going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's possibly going to win the MVP this year, is a big loss to the Rams. So I'm going with the the Green Bay Packers for my lock. And then my upset, 
I'm taking Tampa Bay, who's underdogs by three over the Saints. The Saints struggled the first half against the Bears, okay? Had a hard time throwing points up against the Bears. Now, I understand Tampa Bay's defense isn't as good as the Bears, but Brady's just playing too good right now. Um, Saints defense definitely has some issues, especially going up against that receiving core that Tampa Bay has with Mike Evans, who I believe is playing. I know he hurt his uh, leg I, uh, last game, but Gronk is playing good. It seems like Gronk and Brady has that connection going again. And I, I, going with the Saints. Um, so, blowout is I'm taking the Chiefs. Lock, I'm taking Green Bay. And upset, I am taking Tampa Bay. So that's going to be it for this week. Head over to staytunesports.net for any merchandise, t-shirts, I have a hoodie on there for right now. Um, our social media accounts, where you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, subscribe to YouTube, all that stuff on the right-hand side there, as well as all of our old episodes that you may want to give a listen to. So, till next week, this is your good friend Jimbo, signing out.